Hey, what is up, everybody? This is your boy, AJ Tripp. And welcome to the game according to me. This is my podcast, also my vlogcast, as I am doing both the visual and audio versions of this one. Um, we're going to have a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about March Madness. We're going to talk about the NFL and what's going on with, with, uh, with the like transactions and trades and some other news and notes and uh, some some big things about um, like Deshaun Watson and things like that. You get uh, re- recap quickly the NBA trade deadline from last week, and we're gonna do the Major League Baseball predictions and preview. So a lot of stuff to get through today. Uh, so. Wherever you listen to this or wherever you're watching this, sit back, relax, and let's talk some sports. Let's start with March Madness in the Final Four. Uh, it, it's, you know, we didn't have it last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So there was a, you know, a lot of interesting things. A lot of people just happy to have it this year. This year it was done a lot differently. Um, there were some... Uh, some changes to the schedule. Uh, games started like on Fridays or on Saturdays and went through like Mondays and Tuesdays and things like that. There were some some. Uh, you know, it, it's it's in one place. It's in Indianapolis. It's all the games were played in Indianapolis. They weren't played all over the country like they normally are. Um, and of course, obviously, the fans were not as you know big time as they normally are. But. Well, it was happy. It was good to have it back, wasn't it? I, I think it was. Um, and we had some great, some great stuff, some great upsets. Talking about Oral Roberts upsetting Ohio State, uh, and, uh, and then upsetting Florida to make it to the Sweet 16. The same thing with once again Loyola Chicago upsetting uh, Georgia Tech and Illinois to make it to the Sweet 16. Um, well, I mean, how about uh, UCLA as an 11 seed, you know, now making the Final Four, upsetting Michigan and the number one seed Michigan, to, you know, and so many great, great upsets, big time upsets. Ohio upsetting Virginia, you know, uh, you know to make it to a to to, you know, to the tournament of 32, and North Texas and. It was really some really really fun stuff, really really great ones. I, I'm not one of these ones. I I want upsets. I want upsets. I want, I want final four runs for Oral Roberts and Loyola Chicago, and I want final four runs for VCU and Butler and and Florida Gulf Coast and and George Mason and all of those you know other ones that all those other runs that happened in the past. I want those type of runs. I, I I don't need one and two seeds making it to the final four. I'm glad we got an 11 seed. I'm glad they're facing Gonzaga. Let's go ahead and let's do this. We've got Gonzaga, who came out of the West, the one seed out of the West against UCLA. The 11 seed coming out of the East had a play-in tournament game. In fact, they will be uh, going head-to-head for one spot in the championship game. This Saturday, and the other one this Saturday is Baylor, the one seed from the South Region, t- 
taking on Houston, the two seed from the Midwest season, Fly Simma Gemma, back into the Final Four. And then those two teams, the winners of those teams, will meet Monday for the championship game. And it's, it's going to be a great, I think, a great Final Four. I think all four of these teams are unbelievable. Uh, Gonzaga's has been tearing up the place. I, I, I would expect US, UCLA's uh, run to end, but I, 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 I I predicting it, but I won't be surprised if it doesn't. Um, but I think Gazaga has been too good for a lot of this. They, they have been the best team in the tournament. They've been the best team all year. Still undefeated. That's always good. And Baylor and Houston have been very, 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 very good this, uh, in this tournament as well. Um, but I'm going to choose Baylor. I think we have Gonzaga and Baylor. Headed up Monday night, and then I think Gonzaga will win. And I think Gonzaga will hold the championship. They'll be the first undefeated national championship team since the uh, Indiana Hoosiers uh, of 1978. Or was it, even, it was even earlier. Was it later? Was it 82 or 83? One of those teams. Actually, I think maybe in the 80s, I think they had Isaiah Thomas on it. So, yeah, it, it was a team, team of the 80s. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a great... March Madness. This has been a fun tournament. Glad to have, have it back. Um, I'm not a big college basketball fan, but when it gets to the tournament, I, like everybody else, get crazy for it. And uh, I was glad to see it come back this year. So uh, we'll wait to see what happens. But uh, once again, just happy to have it back to watch on television. There is a reason why the NFL is king. Jesus Christ. I gotta... <laughs> Heard from a mustache or flying in my mouth. But yes, there is a reason why the NFL is king. They just, year round, excuse me, year round stuff happens and it is just incredible. It never ends. You can watch Pro Days on the NFL Network and they got Pro Days and then they got ESPN, they got people at people's Pro Days and everything like that. But Obviously, what the big, big thing is, is that it seems to be this draft and these running quarterbacks that is happening, that is going to happen. Last week, we saw a, we saw two trades within the span of 28 minutes that reshaped the draft un, un, indubitably. We had the 49ers jump up from 12 to 3, trading with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and then we had the Miami Dolphins going back from you know, you know, taking that 12 pick and going up to six to where the Eagles were and trading up with them. So changing the draft around inevitably. And then now what we have now is we have the we possibly have the idea that there are going to be four quarterbacks taken in a row on draft day. Uh, Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars. The Jets are looking to, right now, they're thinking they're going to take one. A lot of people are saying Zach Wilson. And then the 49ers who have jumped up to three, they're going to take a quarterback. And the reason why they take a quarterback is they said that they they were going to be left out. They felt they were going to be left out of the quarterback ram at 12. So they needed to take a shot. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, one year left on his deal, very injury prone. They wanted to take one that sit that could sit behind Jimmy, and then Jimmy, you know, um, you know, line behind Jimmy. Hopefully this year, and then have him play next year or something like that. 
And Jimmy's a Super Bowl quarterback. He took the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl, so they still have trust in Jimmy. I don't think they've already said that unless Jimmy, unless it's a special thing, they're not trading Jimmy, so they're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback in San Francisco. So that's that's no bug off that. Uh, so and then the Falcons at four and. They can be. They can have the same thing happening with Falcons that the San Francisco 49ers want, which is Matt Ryan has two or three years left on his deal, and you draft a quarterback and have him sit behind, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan for a, a year or two, let him learn uh, under the tutelage of a former MVP, possible future Hall of Famer. I'm not sure about Matt Ryan necessarily. Matt Ryan is one of those guys where. You know, you look at his stats. He's an MVP, the, the all-time Pro Bowl, the yard. He's gonna, he's gonna end up, you know, in the top five of yardage of all time when, you know, when we you know when he gets done more than likely. Um, but then you have to look at it. He, he played in the era. He played in this passing era, and and was he ever really that great? So he's gonna be one of those guys that did, you know, that he, he he may be a, he may be one of the top five passes of all time. Won't get in the Hall of Fame, and that's 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 incredible. I don't know, I don't I don't know if that can happen. You become a top five passer of all time and not make the Hall of Fame, but that may happen with Matt Ryan because of just where we, we the way we you know now you know look at the passing game and things like that. And now with this seventeenth game, um, you know that that, that could. Add on more yards and more stats as well because you know, um, I believe I believe I think Payne, Payne Manning has both the passing yard and the passing touchdown record. Payne Manning, like, I think he has 5,500 passing yards and 55 passing touchdowns in the season for the season. And now you get guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and and Aaron Rodgers is still out there and. Things like that, you know, and who knows whatever can whoever can make another jump, you know, um, into the thing, and, and into the into the top echelon of quarterbacks. That, you know, someone could go into week seventeen with, you know, five, you know, fifty, 50 three hundred yards, you know, just needing two hundred or something to break the record, and and, and and again with fifty, you know, three touchdowns, looking only needing two, and then because of that seventeenth game. They go ahead and they get it, and and then you're like, well, if it was 16, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have gotten it or something like that. So it's, it's or you can even you can even go into like the last one. Like I just talked about Matt Ryan, which Tom Brady actually retired. He'll have the record for most passing yards and most passing touchdowns in a in a career. Where Matt Ryan, you know, his last season goes into Week 17, you know, with with you know 100 and some yards and three touchdowns behind him and he gets those yards and four touchdowns and now he's the all-time leader and he retires. So a lot of things to talk about that 17th game schedule. Uh, my opinion is I am not uh, I'm willing to give it I'm willing to give it a try for a few years. I I, I see how it goes. I I, I, I don't want this to be a I, I, I really I want to give this a chance before I say I don't, I don't necessarily like it. Um because it, it, this could work out. This could work out. Um, but as a but my first inclination is to say they hate it, just for that reason. Just because it's an it's an it's an even number. It's an odd number to say. 
you're going to do this, you can do just an even number with 18, and I definitely didn't want 18. I didn't want 18 games. I, I you know, I, I think, I think that's crazy as well, but I don't know what we'll just, we'll just have to, we we'll really have to see what is going to happen. We really have to see what is going to happen with, with, um, with this. And, and this is like, I'm going to give it a year or two to see if I like it, see if I can fall, fall in for it. Um, otherwise, if, if I don't, then I hope they, I hope they'll be willing to like go back to it and, 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 you know, go back to 16 games. And hopefully during any of those two or three years that it, it's, it's happened that we don't, we don't have like a big time controversy doing it. You know, when, when it comes to stats and other things and maybe MVPs and Pro Bowls or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, hmm, I'm trying to look here and see, um, there's not a lot to go on through when it comes to, um, things we know about some of the trades that have happened. And uh, we talked about it I think last time with you know Russell Wilson and his his people coming out with a trade and everything like that. Um, so I think not a lot of other stuff has happened. I think the next time, I think uh, I'm not sure the next time we'll do a a a, a podcast. I'm not sure the next time we do a podcast, but I I, I do think we will be doing a. Uh, we were doing maybe the first ever live reaction for, or not the first ever, but the first in a couple of years, live reactions to the NFL draft. I think we will be doing that, uh, you know, for the first round. So uh, I think we will be doing that. So I think that that, that, that could be really, really fun. Um, something that is not fun is this thing with Deshaun Watson. We all know. Most of the story. If you don't, let's quickly recap. Um, Deshaun Watson, Houston, Texas, had a had a you know bad year, you know, horrible year. You know, um, it started with you know the coach trading uh, the star wide receiver, the gender DeAndre Hopkins, to the Cardinals in the off season. Um, then it, then you know just he got fired, and it was just a a terrible year for the uh, Houston Texans, and it looks like that you know Deshaun Watson, being the star quarterback, wanted to be a part of some of the, you know he, he wanted to make the decision, but he wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to he wanted the company to you know to take his advice on certain things, to you know, hire you know interview people and some things like that, and. I guess that didn't go down the way it did. Uh, Houston Texans said, "Yeah, sure, yeah, we'll do that," and then went right behind and then the exact opposite. So Deshaun Watson got tired and he decided to accept. Uh, and he he made a formal trade request. And Houston Texans have said that they are now no they are no longer going to you know they're not going to trade him, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be. You know, there are several people out there saying that the Houston Texans are surely but surely. You know, saying, "Hey, we we have to, you know, we have to 
trade him. Um, you to trade him, but they, the the Texans at least publicly have said that you know he's our quarterback and we're not going to trade him. So, so that said, a few weeks ago, uh, some came out on the internet for, um, from a, a lawyer from Houston who has ties to the Houston Texas owner, former owner, I think, McNair. Uh, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if the I don't know if it's the the dad who passed or if it was the the son who owns who owns it obviously now, um, but he has some ties to him and and he came out it was in uh, was in a thing about Deshaun Watson and uh, him being you know a civil lawsuit against him against a woman who gave him a massage and he you know was inappropriate with her and Deshaun came out and said nope that's not the case. And ever since that day, more and more women have come out, and they have come out, and come up with stories, and they are, and, and, and we just figured out today that it is 21 women have sued, you know, formally sued Deshaun Watson, you know, in, in civil court for these allegations of sexual assault and inappropriate behavior doing massages, and I think I think I heard the other day that that. Actually, it's 24 women who have who have come forward to say that this has happened, but it's only 21 women right now have filed lawsuits. And you know, this this is either this is either the biggest conspiracy to assassinate character in the history of this country, or you know, Sean Watson has a serious, serious problem. Serious, serious problem. And um, in more ways than one. Not only emotionally, but just life-wise. It, it is it's unreal. So um, we're going to wait out, continue to see what happens with this story. And, and, and see what happens with Deshaun Watson and See if anything else comes from tradition. See if any more women come forward to anything like that. On the from from the football side of it, you know, I don't know how you, I don't know how you trade him now and get the value that he you deserve to get from him. And I don't know why you would trade for him. Now, yeah, again, unless this is, uh, you know, I talked about the biggest conspiracy to assassinate, you know, someone's character. You know, what if this is a, 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 a scam by Watson or some team, something like that, so that they could, you know, so that they could trade for Deshaun Watson and wouldn't have to pay for, you know, they wouldn't have to give up everything you would give for Deshaun Watson. And then, so, uh, you know, and uh, I, 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 I hate to say that because I'm, I'm not trying to say that as to, I'm not trying to say that as to, you know, you know, say that these women's allegations are not, you know, true for anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. I don't know. I was not there. Nobody was there. We don't know. That's why I say we have to wait and see what happens with these stories and things like that. Nobody knows. But I'm also not going to sit here and say that that either side, the Houston Texans 
or Deshaun Watson himself would not they would not be go low down as to make false allegations so that in the eyes of Houston Texans and for Houston Texans nobody would want to trade for Deshaun Watson and he would have to play for Houston or in Deshaun Watson's case he would you know or that he would you know be so bad looked looked upon in the eyes of Houston Texans that they would just trade him for anything or maybe even I'll not release him. We, we, we've seen what has happened in this world. We had a fucking insurrection January 6th. Anything can happen. And I am not, again, I'm going to wait and see what happens, but I'm not going to be surprised at, you know, at, 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 I, I, even if this somehow ends up with Deshaun Watson going to jail. I would not be surprised at this because that's, that's, that's just how this world works. And this is a crazy world. All right, so let's talk about the NBA trade, trade deadline and some of the other moves that went down afterwards with the buyouts and everything like that. Um, so um, I'll start here with uh, some from ESPN.com from reading here. The Miami Heat. Finalized the deal to acquire Victor Oladipo from the Rockets. The LA Clippers found their veteran point guard in a deal that netted them Rajon Rondo from the Atlanta Hawks. The Orlando Magic were busy sending Nikola Vucevic to Chicago, Evan Fournier to the Celtics, and Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets in separate deals. Meanwhile, Kyle Lowry remained with the Toronto Raptors, um, but his teammate Norman Powell was moved to Portland. Uh, the Pelicans did hold on to Lonzo Ball, but they sent J.J. Reddick to Dallas. Um, there was many other moves. Let's see. I think uh, see we can uh, go to the ESPN winners and losers. Uh, we may get some some ambient sound here. I'm gonna try to get it, stop it before it, it does. Okay, yeah, it, it, it's okay. Good. So it doesn't automatically. Play. It, it does automatically play, but it's. Yeah. All right. So that's good. Um. Well, damn. <laughs> I gotta get to get the get to listen to do that with this. Okay. So I thought maybe we get some winners and losers. Doesn't look like that way. So. Okay. So Sports Illustrated, who doesn't make you pay for, uh, some of their articles like ESPN does. Shame on you, ESPN. Shame on you. Um. Gives you a little uh, recap over the winners and losers of the trade deadline, and uh, these are not also these are not like also teams or anything like that. This, these these are I looked scroll through these really quick. These are like a bunch of these could be also players and other things like that. Like the winner, the Miami Heat. You know, Miami Heat getting uh, Victor Depot to add on to it. They get rid of Myers um, Leonard uh, in a trade with uh, Trip for Trevor Ariza. Uh, so yeah, it's you know a lot of things they're talking about for Myers Leonard. Uh, the loser, the bigs. Uh, so Aldridge and uh, uh, Andre Drummond had no takers. Although, like I mentioned earlier, they've been bought out. Aldridge is going to the Nets to hang with Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant and 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 James Harden and unfortunately Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Andre Drummond is going to go with the Lakers and he's going to. He's, you know, their, their third guy, I guess. Uh, he, he's got his ticket score 20 points and 
Yeah, he got always he got tremendous tremendous defense, and him and you know, it was him, AD, and 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 LeBron. That's 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 three parts of your defense that is solid, solid as a rock, and uh, that's that's always good uh, uh, to have is a solid defense. Um, deflating wins the Sixers. Yes, the Sixers get George Hill from Thunder, but they didn't get Kyle Lowry, who they was looking to get. Um, so, uh, I, I think even though they, they get a point guard, you know, to help out with Ben Simmons and everything like that, they really wanted Kyle Lowry, I think, you know, to really get everything done. And it would have been, unfortunately, it would have been a really good thing. Loser are Drake fans. I'm not gonna gonna do 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 this or anything like that. Um, uh, some other things as well. The winners uh, he has winners LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I think because they add Drummond to be nice, you can also say they are losers too because they did not get did not go after Kyle Lowry, they did not go after anybody else. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis hurt on the sidelines again. I've said this before. I don't think that they are going to. Lose so many games that they get out of the tenth spot. They may fall, but um, uh, but they are, they're not gonna fall out so far where to where you know people teams need to be worried. You you let them sit and you let them get one hundred percent healthy for the playoffs. If you're the Lakers, you don't bring them back at you know during any time. Yeah, let LeBron tattoo tattoo artists. You know, let him do that all he wants to. Until that ankle, until that ankle and that leg is on 100%. Uh, loser, it says here Zach Levine fake trades. I'm not sure what that, what that means. I guess you know. Um, it says here somebody Levine was somebody whose name I think people were trying to wheel into existence as a possible guy on the move. Instead, Bulls doubled down on him by adding Nikola Vucevic as a pick and pop partner. I like that Chicago is actively trying to get into the postseason, sometimes aggressively and barreling toward, toward the middle is perfectly fine, especially if you only made the playoffs once in the past five years. And and, and, and that's how I kind of feel. Most of you guys may know I am a Bulls fan, I'm a Bears fan, I'm a Cubs fan, but then these teams meet the most to me. And in the decade of the 2010s, I've had to, I've rooted a lot for these teams to lose. I've rooted a lot for these teams to lose, and uh, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired of rooting for these teams to lose so that they can get better draft picks, so that they can, you know, get you know get better things. And it, it's time to stop. It's time to stop right now. It's time to stop rooting for these teams to lose. It's time for these teams rooting for these teams to win, and particularly the Bulls and Bears, because at this point it is it is it is some point. It does. It just. It just. It hurts your heart. It hurts your heart that you you sit up there. You're watching, you know, a, a, a Bears game. You're trying to figure out so well, what's best. You know, should I, you know, do I root for the Bears so that they can make the playoffs, or do I root against the Bears so that they can get a higher draft pick? And I never want to do either one. The, the Bears and the Bulls, they should be, and the Cubs actually really. They, they, these are these are teams that should be able enough to be good good enough to where they can reload during the draft, where they can reload, replace players during the drafts, things like that. They should go and they 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 should go on runs where you make the playoffs. You know, eight out of ten in a decade, 
a decade of ten years, you make the playoffs eight years. That's 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 what that's what that's what it should be for the for the Bears and the Bulls and the Cubs. You know, that's the way it kind of should be, and I, I think that's I think that's something that we need to you know to 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 work on as fans. Is you know, stop saying where well, we can't we, we can't win a championship. Let's just you know burn the fucking thing down. No, 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 no. Let no. Let's not do that. Let's let, let, let let's recap. Let's re you know let's retool, not rebuild, but let's retool and let's come back next year fighting better than ever and try to make these playoffs. Um, he has here the A for Edward, effort. The Nuggets. Um, he says, even though he's not sold on the Aaron Gordon move to Denver, uh, uh, he does uh, see some. Uh, he does see them capitalizing on Nikola, Nikola Jokic's uh, MPV, MPV MVP caliber campaign, and uh, also with the trade of um, JaVale McGee coming, uh, seems to be really good. So, yeah, I, I think I think. What they did was was epic as well. Gave away some of their guys to get uh, Aaron Gordon, who has turned himself into a better three point shooter this year. So, and I and I I I think they are truly are they, they are truly one of these teams that they really are looking at getting like having your point guard as you know Jamal Murray, having your center as Nikola Jokic, and then having three wings that can. Guard the other three positions around six, eight, six, nine. That's what they have right here. They have like I think they have, they have um, uh, you know, Gordon is six eight. Michael Porter Jr. is six nine, six ten, I think. And I think they you probably have someone else who I'm probably missing at this point, who is probably around six six, six seven as well. And they can all play those. They can they can all play and guard those other three positions. And I think that's one of the ways they are playing. They just tried to play basketball, and uh, we'll see if it works for them. But uh, yeah, uh, they uh, the article Sports Illustrated is giving them an A for accurate, and they also say the winner is the Knicks. They made <laughs> no head scratching, no short sighted moves as they sit in fifth place in the East. Uh, the strongest sign yet that 2021 is going to be a very different year. So the winners are the Knicks. So yeah, um, this is a this is a interesting uh, landscape we are now in in the NBA. Um, I think there's a report out right now that the Los Angeles Clippers they plan to sign Demarcus Cousins. So they're going to sign Demarcus Cousins to a to a contract. So that's that's that is going to be very interesting. See what Boogie does in uh in Clipperland. And so let's see. Um as we look here. Um looking for the standings. I'm gonna click on this. Here because I'm gonna see where we're at now in the east and in the west. Okay, so in the Western Conference right now. We have the Jazz, the Jazz leading the pack, the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, and the Warriors. And the playing tournament has been announced. Here's how the playing tournament is going to go. The seven and eight seeds. 
which in the Western Conference right now would be the Spurs and the Mavericks, they would play. And they would, you know, so they would play for the seventh seed. And then I think the Grizzlies and the Warriors, who are 9 and 10, they would play for the eighth seed. And then apparently there's also like a loser's tournament where the loser of teams would also play. And they would play, uh, I don't know. It's really crazy, but I, that's how that's how I think I know it goes. Something else will happen right there. And right now, when we talk about that, the first team behind the Warriors are the Sacramento Kings. So, um, Warriors have a chance to get that. They are a game and game and a half up on the Warriors. In the Eastern Conference, we have the Sixers and the Nets, Bucks and the Hornets, Knicks and the Hawks. They would be in already. The Celtics and the Heat are seven and eight. The Pacers and the Bulls are eight. They're nine and ten. So they would play. Um, the Bulls have a four-game lead on the Raptors. So we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the season goes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm inside. I'm excited to see how this goes. Again, I, I, I like like I talked about with the 17th game season. I'm willing to look and see how this how this play-in tournament goes. I really did. I didn't pay much attention to the playoff. Playing tournament last year because I, I thought it was kind of stupid with everything like that. But with this doing some type of season and tr trying to do some some different things, I, I'm looking to look at this year, especially with my Bulls having a shot at it. So I'm checking to see how 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 this looks at it. But uh, I, I really think that you really should just continue on with just going one through eight. And just going, you're just going one through eight and doing it that way. One through eight in the east, one through eight in the west, and just do your playoff teams that way. Stop just playing tournaments. With the MLB season starting tomorrow, we're here to do the MLB season preview and prediction show. So what I'm gonna do here is, I'm, I've, once again, I got an article from ESPN, and hopefully, I can read the whole thing. But it's a preview. It's basically they've um, says here we've asked our baseball experts to rank every team from one to thirty going into the new season for our first MLB Power Rankings of the Year. While ESPN.com writers Brad Doolittle and David Schoenfield teamed up to provide a best and worst case, most exciting player, and one bold one bold prediction, along with Doolittle's win loss prediction for all thirty teams. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to go through all 30 teams, uh, talk about the best case and worst case um, for, from here on this ESPN article. And then at, uh, then at the end, I'm going to give you my, my awards. I'm going to give you who are, who are, who are winning the ALCS and the NLCS and then, and of course, the World Series. So uh, this is so this here. They have number one, the LA Chargers. Best case. Dodgers look good on the field as they do on paper, featuring an all-star caliber player at every position in the lineup most days. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, and Corey Seager square off for NL MVP honors, while Trevor Bauer, Walker Brewer, and Kevin Carshaw do the same for the Cy Young Award. LA clinches the NLC West early, challenges all the all-time wins record, and cruises to a second straight World Series title. Uh, that's best case. Worst case, a spate of injuries forced the Dodgers to rely on their considerable depth during the season in which the San Diego Padres explode with the dream season. Los Angeles division title streak ends at 8. The Dodgers enter the postseason 
at a wild card, hope to get a crack at the Padres in October to reestablish their supremacy in the division. So this guy seems to think that the Dodgers are just, you know, they're unstoppable. Number two, the Yankees. Best case, they stay healthy, the rotation is stays intact. Garrett Cole joined every five-day turn by Corey Cuba and Jimmy Satayon. Uh, joined by Luis Severino sooner rather than later, setting up a vicious October rotation. Judge and Stanton both play at least 150 games. The Yankees don't need depth this time on the way to 102 wins, setting up on a path for epic world series so showdown with the Dodgers. Worst case, can this team ever stay healthy? And that is what they they Stanton and Judge do get injured a lot. Um, uh, the Kluber, Talon, Severino. And German portion of the rotation, which combined for 18 pitches a season ago, it combines for 35 starts. Judge Stanton both pull muscles that people, most people don't have. <laughs> Gary Sanchez goes for a 17 and 402 on the season, albeit with 16 homers. Since the Yankees wins 89 wins and have to do battle just to squeak into the October bracket via the wild card. <laughs> These are actually pretty funny. Um, the best case scenario for the Padres were number three. The Padres are one of six active franchises without a World Series title. Best case scenario for this team is now going forward is to leave that unfortunate club. It can happen if Fernando Tatis Jr. continues his takeover of the big leagues and the rotation gets enough innings from most of his dynamic performers to make San Diego an elite run prevention squad. If all has come together, the Pods can win upward of 100 games and end the Dodgers' hegemony in the NLC West. In the NL, NL, yes, in the NL West. Worst case, for all the reasons to be excited about the Padres, it's not an entire roster. For all the names in the rotation, they've been plagued by either consistency or durability. The bullpen can be anywhere from elite to below average. And while the offense looks great, you can envision a team that fails, falls just a little bit too much in love with the long ball during the season, when homers can become very hard to come by. If all goes bad, the Pods can land in the low 80s in wins and wonder how the heck they're ever going to catch the Dodgers. Number four, the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves off-season acquisitions of Charlie Morton and Drew simply pay off, bolster, pay off to bolster rotation. Happy to get Mike Sorica back to join Max Fried and Ian Anderson. That group could become a classic. Atlanta rotation that undergirds at 100 wins and an ELCL shot at the Dodgers. Worst case scenario, another injury spate hits the rotation and the Braves reworked book and makes doesn't hold up. They slip into the mid-80s in the wind column and fall behind the Mets, Nationals, and Phillies in what shapes up to be a wreckage ELC East. Speaking of that, they've had the Mets at five. The Mets emerge as the team most likely to knock off the Dodgers. As Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, and Dom Smith leads the NL's best offense. The rotation and health and a grand in season return by Noah Syndergaard. The Mets finally give Jacob DeGrom the support he needs and cements his status as the game's best pitcher en route to 25 wins and another Cy Young Award. Lindor has so much fun, he decided to stick around for a while. We've also heard recently that he turned down a 10-year, $300 million contract. and uh, he, I think he countered off with a 12-year, $325 million uh, contract. So we'll see if uh, they decide to give him that. Um, the worst case scenario, despite the new owner and all the good tidings from the offseason, the Mets still prove to be the Mets. Rotation behind the ground, can't stay healthy. The bullpen imposed the defense on the league's worst. The Mets staggered to win 80 wins and a fourth place finish.
Discord ensues, and Lindor decides there has to be a better situation for him somewhere else. Number six, the Minnesota Twins. Um, let's say this. Byron Buxton stays healthy and approaches his speed, defense, and power ceiling. Miguel Sano, Josh Donaldson, and Nelson Cruz prove to be the AL's top power trio. Alex Kirloff is promoted early and helps balance the offense. The Twins win 96 games and repeat as AL Central champs and show that their run of success is built on a sustainable foundation. The worst case scenario, the lineup is beset by injuries and age. The revamped rotation flounders, the Twins slip to age to win and start to look over their shoulders at the likes of the Royals and Tigers in their division. Hmm, well, okay, I don't even say where were the White Sox at, but they are. They have the White Sox at seven. The White, best case, the White Sox stay healthy starting now and avoid having to tap deep into their organizational depth. The team responds to the return of Tony Lucid to the south side, unroute 95 wins in their top seed in the AL bracket. The postseason run is bolstered by a blistering return of Elohi Jimenez from his late spring injury. The worst case scenario, the Jimenez injury turns out to be just to downgrade the side Sox couldn't afford as Adam Eden fails to find his earlier White Sox form and a lack of depth and inconsistent leads to inconsistent attack. As things unravel, so does LaRusso's relationship with his young charges and a disappointing season ends with 80 wins and a third place finish. Number 8, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays, the best case scenario, the Rays use 72 players who all contribute exactly a .6 war, and Tampa Bay's hive approaches leaves another AL East crown. Kevin Cash is selected by the Cyclone Empire as his new imperious leader, knowing that he can could be replaced by a replicant if things should go awry. Now why, now why are you doing that to that man and to this team? Oh, boy. Um, the Rays, worst case, the Rays are set up to get better as the season goes along with young waves emerging from the Myers or Dalton in sight to plug holes in the rotation and lineup. But the veteran rotation flops early before the Rays are ready to start moving up young arms. It becomes a middle of the season trying to stave off the Red Sox for third place. Number nine, the Houston Astros. Best case scenario, Jordan Alvarez picks up where he left off in 2019, while Alex Bregman, Jose Artuve, and Carlos Correa find their respective forms that led that from that campaign as well. Meanwhile, Kyle Tucker matures into an all-star level hitter to fill George Springer's void in the lineup as the Astros again push into the mid-90s one column back to the top of the AL West. Excuse me. Whiskey scenario. Altuve's 2020 season turns out to be more of a signpost than a fluke. Correa struggles under the pressure of his walk season, and the Astros have to dip further into their pitching depth than they would prefer. Houston ends up winning 84 games and misses the playoffs for the first time since 2016, which many people would love since they are since they people continue continue to call out. The uh, Houston Astros for the cheating and winning the uh, winning the title a couple years ago that way. 
Number 10, the Toronto Blue Jays. Best case, Toronto's offseason emphasis on collecting veteran starters who can provide stable innings and lots of them pays off. The bullpen finds answers in the aftermath of losing Kirby Yates for the season, and the offense becomes one of the game's best, most prolific, and most fun to watch. The Jays take advantage of another injury whittled Yankee squad, win 93 games, and still an AEL East title. Worst case, Marcus Simeon is more 2020 than 2019. George Springer falters from the pressure of a new contract, but Vladimir Guerrero continues to hit a lot of hard ground outs, and the rotation turns out to be a mess. The situation is exacerbated by a team defense that can hardly be worse for players with Mason Towles rather than Glover. <laughs> the Jays flop to 88 losses and leave everyone wondering what comes next. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 11, the Nationals best case Juan Soto does what he did last year only this time for 162 games the Nationals remind everyone that even in 2021 it's quite a luxury to roll out three legit aces every five days the bullpen comes together behind Brad Hand and the veteran heavy position group comes together to win the 2019 title winning Nats did Washington rolls to 95 wins and reclaims the top spot in the NL East. Worst case, veteran Savage turns into a problem with too much age. Soto misses a chunk of time, and Trey Turner struggles out of concern for his long-term whereabouts. The mileage on the Nationals' cadre of name-brand starting pitchers becomes a glaring issue. Washington looks tired and shiftless. During an 88-loss season, that suggests the rest of the NL East has passed it by. 12. The Oakland Athletics. Oakland's elite defense backs the Athletics. Wait a minute. Best case. Oakland's elite defense backs the Athletics' deepest, most stable rotation in the year. Okay. Uh, Sergio Romo and Trevor Rosenthal integrate into Bob Melvin's back of the bullpen mix to cover for the loss of Liam Hendricks, who is now in Chicago. The match, Chapman and Olsen, bounce back at the plate, joined by emerging star backstop Sean Murphy, and Elvis Andrews proves that the Rangers turned the page on him well too soon. Oakland wins 97 games and holds off the Astros to repeat as AL West champion. Worst case, with a less lively ball impacting teams around baseball, the athletics take and rake offense flounders. The new bullpen shuffle falls flat, and the rotation is pedestrian. The A's are still a middling 81-win team, but they are never a factor with the tough Astros and Angels battling out in their division. By the way, that's something else that is very, very strange. Heard this offseason that the Major League Baseball had their People who make the balls make it so that it wouldn't fly farther. They actually, instead of juicing them, they unjuice them, I guess. I, I That, to me, makes no sense. I understand that you want to, you know, you, you want to try to get away from the free outcome of baseball, which is, you know, walk, strike out, and, and, and home run. But is that the way to do it? I mean, I, I like... Yeah, I, I like the uh, the uh, no shifting thing. I like that a lot more than than the other things. So I don't know what they were doing. Let's continue. Uh, number thirteen, Milwaukee Brewers. 
Best case, with an elite defense, rotation, and bullpen, the Brewers turn into the 2021 version of the 2020 Rays as a run prevention juggernaut. Christian Yelich recovers his MVP form from 28 from eight from 18 and 19, and that's combined with a triumphant return season by Lorenzo Cain and a breakout campaign from Keston Herrera. Milwaukee wins 93 games and cruises to a division title. Worst case, Yelich is more good than great. Kane loses a step after a year away, and the offense ranks one of the baseball's worst. Meanwhile, the bullpen disappoints as Josh Hader shows some wear and tear before being traded, and Devin Williams can't repeat his devastating rookie season. The Brewers end up battling the Reds for third in the NFC Central with 75 wins. Oh. 14. The Cardinals. Best case, Nolan Alonado and Paul Goldschmidt spark a more balanced offense. Cardinals play baseball's best defense, and the young outfielder Popery generates a sweet aroma. Meanwhile, the rotation overcomes spring uncertainty to provide stable bulk innings in front of a dynamic bullpen as the Cardinals outman the Cubs and Brewers to win the NL Central. Worst case, the outfield flops. The Cardinals struggle for runs despite their new 1-2 defense offense combo. Their run prevention is fine, but everything St. Louis does in this area, the Brewers do better. The nightmare is completed with the demise of the Cubs. Proves to be highly exaggerated. St. Louis logs another winning season, but misses the playoffs, and no one who can see the gateway arch is particularly satisfied. 15. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Best case scenario, Mike Trout leaves no doubt who the best player in the game is and is joined in the MVP chatter by Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani. That trio of stars is enough to boost a stable, healthy league average roster to 95 wins and enough to edge the Astros and Athletics for the AL West title. Worst case scenario, Angels rotation can't contribute Either a quality or a quantity of innings, Trout looks like he's lost a step, and Otani suffers more injury woes. The Angels again limp to a losing season, and pundits start to wondering if the Halos will ever contend while Trout is a star player. I think people are wondering that right now. You know, people are saying he's the best in the game, but he's not led his team to a playoff season. I don't think at one point he has, so... Sixteen, the Phillies. Dave Dombrowski knows his stuff. This is basically a scenario, by the way. The Phillies horror show 2020 bullpen turned out to be something you can watch without a blindfold in 2021. The rotation finds a quality third wheel behind Nola and Wheeler, and Harper reminds everyone why he was once projected as the perennial MVP candidate. Phillies win 90 games and edge the Mets and Nationals for a wild card. Worst case scenario. The sum is still way less than the parts. Harper is fine, but not transcendent. Alec Baum commits 46 errors, damn. And the team defense shows the range of your average foosball table. The fields flop to 68 wins in a backseat to the Marlins in the East. Seven, my Cubbies, the Chicago Cubs. Um, best case scenario, the Cubs offense starts like uh, Cubs offensive stars like 
Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez return to producing Light Stars, and the revamped pitch to contact rotation perfectly repairs them perfectly with strong defense. The Cubs take advantage of a solid division, win another NLC crown, albeit with the worst mark among MLB first place teams. Worst case scenario, the Cubs rotation turns out to be the worst type of group uh, for this era. When the dead and ball turns out not to be that dead and the wind blows out irregularly most days. Meanwhile, the 2020 struggling hitters continue to flail. The Cubs turn into aggressive sellers by the end of July. A golden era of Cubs baseball ends with an 85 loss flop. That is what most Cubs fans are worried about. We are worried that this is, you know, the, you know that they're not looking to retool. Like I, I talked about earlier, the team should be retooling, not rebuilding, that they are wanting to rebuild. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that they are, and they may be, and if, if they were to be good, you know, it would be okay. But they're actually hoping that they're bad. And there's some of them saying that they might do uh, a white flag trade, which is where the Cubs are, are, you know, two or three games up at the trade deadline, but they trade their best players. They, they still, they still trade, they still trade away Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and many others to, to try to refill the, the, um, the stuff, the, 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 the minor leagues. So, all could be done by this one last season. Are we doing a retooling? Or are we doing a full rebuild? We'll have to wait and see for us Cubs fans. The team the Cubs beat in the 2016 World Series, the Cleveland Indians, number 18. Best case scenario. But even without Francisco Lador, Cleveland once again turns out a top 10 rotation backed by a solid bullpen. Jose Ramirez puts up MVP-level campaign. Another hitter, perhaps Fran Framil Reyes, emerges to fill the offensive void opened up by the Lindor trade. And it all adds up enough to hang tough in a three-team AL Central race with the Twins and the White Sox. Worst case scenario, Ramirez is more good than great. Shane Bieber turns out to be the only standout in the rotation as a leaky defensive outfield undermines the overall work of the pitching staff. Cleveland sinks to fourth in the AL Central and the fan base is thoroughly discouraged in the aftermath of the departure of the face of the franchise. Number 19, the Boston Red Sox. Best case scenario, J.D. Martinez finds his way back to his 2019 form and powers a resurgent offense to help the Red Sox hang in just at just over 500 until the time Chris Sale returns. With Sale leading the pitching staff, Boston mounts a charge at 90 wins and challenges for a wild card. Worst case scenario, the Red Sox 2021 season looks pretty much like the 2020 season, only for a full six months. Martinez seems done, sales entry rehab lingers, and Boston's overall run prevention turns into a nightmare. Leads to a fourth place finish. 20. The Cincinnati Reds. Best case scenario. The Reds' defensive positioning efforts are able to overcome a lack of athleticism with their position group. Nick Senzo, Jonathan India, and Tyler Stevenson all look like future stars, and Cincinnati rides a strong rotation to 87 wins and an NL Central crown. Worst case scenario, the pitchers are undermined by a horrific team of defense. The offense flounders from an, a lack of elite production at any spot 
and the bullpen and clothes in a most unsavory manner. The Pirates keep the Reds out of the cellar, but the 90-plus losses for a roster with a veteran flavor is demoralizing. Number 21, the Miami Marlins. Um, best case scenario, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, and Sandy Alcantara lead a rotation that coalesces in the NL's best. Jazz Chisholm gives dynamism to a lineup of average hitters and solid defenders. The plucky Marlins battle for 80 wins in a tough division and energize their fan base for years ahead. Worst case scenario, Chisholm struggles as the Marlins continue to search for a young position player to emerge as a future star. Meanwhile, one or more young starters backslide or get hurt, and the Marlins lose 98 games and give back the gains they made with their faithful and last year's surprise playoff run. Number two, the Kansas City Royals. Best case scenario, Andrew Benintendi recovers, rediscovers the star path he was once on in Boston. Alberto Mondesi breaks out with a 25 homer, 50 steal season that puts him in the MVP conversation. The rotation flourishes from the depth and an ongoing inclusion of recent early round draft picks. Bobby Wood Jr. joins the party by June, pushing the Royals to a 90 win wild card season. Worst case scenario basically none of the above happens. Bending Tindy slide proved to be irreversible. Mondesi continues to be maddening and consistent. The young starters can establish themselves. Wit remains a joint. Wit, Wit remains a minor leaguer. Carlos Santana looks done, and the Royals end up dealing Jorge Soler at the deadline. Casey flops to 95 losses, and questions about the efficiency of the Royals' rebid, re rebuild abound. 23. The Giants. The Giants continue to engage in a bold rebuilding effort without bottoming out. That leaves their upside is mediocre, and in a league where mediocre likely leaves you out of the wildcard contention, the short-term outlook is blah. But there are enough viable veterans on hand that give good health, and San Francisco a push towards 80 wins. Worst case, as for bottoming out, when your upside is the middle and you got a lot of older players, it is possible player availability issues snowball. And despite being a team in the tank, you do a good imitation of one. Worst case for the Giants will be finishing behind Colorado, which would translate to somewhere around 100 losses. Oh, my damn. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona looks solid on the run prevention side, so if they can get a couple bounces back or and or breakout seasons at the plate, the Diamondbacks can mount a surprise run at the NL second wild card. And if the NL East flops and massing, one breakout candidate among batsmen is Josh Ross, who has generated a lot of preseason buzz. Worst case scenario, the offense hits its lackluster projection, and what looks like a solid starting rotation doesn't hold up. The D-backs end up as trade deadline sellers on their way to 90-plus losses. Number 25, the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners plan for crowdsourcing their rotation this season, and this could be just a campaign where it helps as much competitively as developmentally. Any surprise Mariners push toward wildcard contention would involve a collective breakthrough by young guns like Taylor Trammell and Jared Kalenic. 
with Evan White perhaps joining them by finding another level at the plate. Even so, the upside for the M's looks like the low to mid-80s in the win column. This, worst case, this season just becomes one of growing pains for the pitching staff. While the likes of Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield give us reasons for hope, Seattle struggles to prevent runs. Meanwhile, the strikeouts pile up for an offense that looks contact challenge. The Mariners lose 95 to 100 games on the way to a last place finish. 26, Texas Rangers. The Rangers see some young players plant their stake at future parts of the Texas core. Nate Lowe, Nick Solak, Leota Tavares, Isaiah Kenner-Falafa, Willie Calhoun, Kyle Cody, and Dane Dunning are, some among, are among those on the early big league roster to watch. If that happens and some young veterans like Joey Gallo and David Dahl go off, the Rangers can make a run at 500. Worst case, with spring injuries hammering the Texas bullpen, you worry that a spate of early losses caused by blown leads and spirals spirals into a quick hole that the social rotation and a lineup that's still too all or nothing can't climb out of. Can't climb out of. The Rangers are evolving, but the progress will remain a hard spot to. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I've been talking and reading so much. Much. I apologize, everybody. I also apologize for maybe not saying a lot of these names wrong. You know, it's, it's you know, so. Yeah, apologize for all of this. Um, so let's try this again. Worst case scenario. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to leave this in in both podcasts and the video. I, you know, I messed up. So what? With spring injuries hammering the Texas bullpen, you're worried that a spate of early losses caused by blown leads spiral into a quick hole that a social rotation and a lineup that's still too all or nothing can't climb out of. The Rangers are evolving, but the progress would remain hard to spot in the midst of a 96 loss season. Okay, we've got four left, thank God. <laughs> um, Detroit Tigers, best case scenario. The young rotation comes together ahead of schedule. With Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, and Matt Manning looking like the second coming of Hudson, Zito, and Mulder by the end of the season, Miguel Cabrera enjoys a resurgent season that takes him past 3,000 hits and 500 homers. Hall of Famer, A.J. Hinch guides the Tigers to 78 wins and convinces Motown fans the trajectory arrow is pointed in the right direction for 2022. Oh, yeah. Uh, the worst-case scenario, stagnation. Cabrera struggles, yet his slow crawl to the milestones remain the most interesting thing to go on at Comerica Park during another run of 100 losses. But the worst thing is the young starters struggle to establish themselves in the majors and top-hitting prospects Spencer Torkelson flails in the minors. Yeah, we got a root for Cabrera getting, that, getting those 3,000 hits, 500 home runs this season. That'll be good. 28, the Colorado Rockies. Best case scenario, Brendan Rodgers, Ryan McMahon, and Sam Hillard emerge as solid support in the lineup for Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman. The rotation continues look, to look like a foundation for the Rockies to build on. Story signs an extension to win back a modicum of goodwill from Rockies fans, though Colorado still finishes under 500. Worst case, it all falls apart. Story is traded for pennies at the deadline. Blackman begs to follow him out of town. 
There's rotation struggles. The Rockies lose 110 games. Everyone gets fired. And the men of forts called John Elway <laughs> to gauge us in. <laughs> and a return of baseball. Oh, my God. Uh, 29, the Baltimore Orioles. Best case, the upper end of the Orioles projection doesn't get to them, doesn't get them to 500. But there is a 31% shot at escaping the cellar. If that happens and multiple young players establish themselves as future regulars, it will be a good season in the Balt in Baltimore. Worst case, Baltimore could well challenge for the top pick in 2021 draft. So even a disastrous win total isn't the worst case scenario for the O's. But if if that is paired with a lack of progress by the top prospects, especially Ashley Rushman, that would be bad news. And finally, um, the, uh, the, the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Best case scenario, the Pirates get promising news on their future core. Brian Hayes becomes the NL Rookie of the Year. Mitch Keller starts to find himself, and the Pirates play with vigor despite a 104-loss season that puts them in the top slot of the 2022 draft. It's certainly possible that the Bucks could overachieve and win 70 games and escape the NL Central Cellar, where projections slot them 85% of the time. But that would really be a best case for this team. Worst-case scenario? Well, it's not the 1899 Spiders or the 1952 Mets or the 2003 Tigers. But if Hayes flops and pitching staff ends up populated by <laughs> by by 4A arms, the Pirates could thread the needle in terms of losing 105 plus games while failing to establish any semblance of hope that things are going to get better, but they still could get that top draft pick. Which, by the way, for those of y'all who may be wondering, 4A, yeah, there is no such thing as 4A. It's just it's, it's three levels, 1A, 2A, and 3A. Triple A, double A, single A. There is no quadruple A. Quadruple A is what they say for, for players who who, uh, who are too good to play in, in the minor leagues, but for some reason can't play in the majors. So they call them quadruple A players. All right, so now since we're going over all three teams, let me give you my predictions of what is happening this year with the awards and then the winners and everything like that. So, uh, manager of the year. In the NL, I have Mike Schlitt of the St. Louis Cardinals. In the AL, I have Rocco Bardelli of the Twins. I think both teams will, will shoot up um, this year and make surprising runs toward the, uh, the, the, um, the World Series. Um, rookie of the year, I have uh, uh, Key Brian Hayes of the Pirates, and I have Randy Arena for the Rays. We saw what Arena did in the playoffs last year for the Rays. Um, I, 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 I got to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about Key Brian Hayes, um, but you know what? I, I hope to find out a lot about him this year. Uh, Cy Young, um, the National League, Walker Bueller of the, of the Dodgers. And in the AL, Lucas Giolito, the White Sox, the White Sox are going to be good. I think Lucas Giolito is going to be one of those guys. I think he's going to he's going to step his game up, win that side young, and uh, help the White Sox get into the playoffs. In the MVP, 
I have Cody Bellinger winning it for the Dodgers in the National League. In the American League, I have Aaron Judge winning it for the Yankees. I know it's pretty hard to pick, you know, with Aaron Judge being so injury prone, but I'm going to take a risk and say, and just stop picking Mike Trout or anybody else because that's what the team they want to give it to. I'm going to say Aaron Judge has one of those crazy years where he stays healthy, plays 155 games, hits 50 home runs, driving 150 RBIs. How about that? So, Aaron Judge. Um, for the NLCS, I would have the Dodgers winning over the Cardinals 4-1. to In the ALCS, I have the Yankees beating the Twins, Twins, 4-3. to And in the World Series of the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees, seemingly what everybody wants to see who is not fans of other teams, um... The Yankees beat the Dodgers four games to three, and your World Series MVP is, of course, Aaron Judge. All right, that is it for this edition of this podcast, The Game According to Me. Thank you guys so much for watching, and for those of you guys who are listening as well. I appreciate all of what you do. Please, if you have the time, um, you know, subscribe and share and do all those good things if you're watching if you're listening say say the thing you need subscribe and share let people know that you're listening to this fun good podcast that talks about sports and everything like that sometimes it's about wrestling uh, I didn't talk about it a lot today but you know I'm on the Wrestlemania you know things so you know I'm on that so uh, so yeah make sure you go ahead and yeah you know do all those things for your boy um, post your comments for those of you guys watching. Post your comments down my cat. This I didn't just come out of nowhere. Post your comments down below. Tell me what you guys have seen or heard or what you think, whatever. <laughs> God. Just, just post your comments down below. Let me know what you guys thought about any of the topics I talked about. We talked about the March Madness, we talked about NFL. But the Deshaun Watson stuff afterwards. We talked about the NBA trade deadline. And of course, MLB predictions and preview. Let me know all any of your thoughts, what you feel about that down in the comment section. For those of you guys watching this on YouTube, for those of you guys watching it on on uh or guys listening to this on the on the on the podcast version. Yeah, just you know, sit me uh, send me a a, a, a thought on, on Twitter. You know what you guys think? I'll see them on my Facebook page, AJ Trip, uh, or yeah, just or, or you can go to or you can go to the YouTube um, video and post your comments on there. Let me know what you guys think about uh, anything I talked about in this podcast, please. I would really like to hear your thoughts and opinions. Um, make sure you go to Patreon.com/slash/AJTrip to become a patron. Once I hit a certain amount of patrons. You will be determined what you can see here on the YouTube channel or what you would like for me to talk about here on the podcast. Or if you are a gamer, what you would like for me to play over on my gaming channel, twitch.tv slash AJTrip. Um, also, you can also go to anchor.fm slash Andre Triplet Show and you can be a subscriber there and you can, you know, you get no perks and all like that. But uh, if you feel like you want to subscribe, there are three tiers you can subscribe on that um, um, place as well. Anything you do, 
uh, I just appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to listen to this. And again, once again, willing to share this uh, this video or this podcast with your family and friends or people you think you would like it. Um, that, that means more to me than you um, subscribing, you know, or Patreoning or whatever. That's a new word, Patreon. Um, so, let's outro the, uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and let's outro the YouTube video. Um, thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure you like the video, you share the video, you subscribe to the channel. You can click that notification bell so that when I go live, you will be, um, you know, you will be, the, you will be there. Like from, from wrestling next week, and to take over night one and two of Stand and Deliver, night one and two of WrestleMania, Rebel Reactions. Gonna make sure that when I thank you guys so much for watching. This is your boy AJ Trip signing off. What are you guys watching? On what are you guys listening on the podcast? Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, for the both of you, be good to each other, y'all. Be careful out there. And I am out.